Among the names that were tossed around for the Cardinals' managerial job, you might have heard Matt Holliday suggested or just in some of the conversations. And what's interesting is that it's Matt who suggested it. And you know what? He said, I'm I'm not afraid to throw it out there. I wouldn't mind if I'm going to get involved. And he's currently coaching at Oklahoma State. His dad was a coach. His brother's a coach. Brother's the head coach, baseball coach at Oklahoma State. And he's been around the game and uh, not afraid to throw his name out there. But what's interesting, obviously the job went to Ali Marmol, is that Matt and Ali are the best of friends. And they talk all the time. And he is super excited for Ali to get the job and thinks he'll do great. And for a lot of Cardinal fans who don't know much about Ali Marmol, I thought it'd be great to get Matt Holliday's read on it. And then I started to look into, well, how would they know each other? Because they didn't play together, obviously. I mean, he wasn't coaching. Ali wasn't coaching in St. Louis when Matt was at the big league level. But Matt did live in Jupiter for a while because his kids were playing baseball in the winter. And Ali Marmol was living in Jupiter working for the Cardinals for a number of years. So that's sort of where the bond began. So the Kill Coin conversation is with the former Cardinal All-Star outfielder Matt Holliday. And uh, I just I love Matt in retirement, how he has become not just media-friendly, but really an interesting guy to talk to about baseball. We get into the analytics, the role that it plays currently, whether the age of a manager should matter, whether you're in your 70s like Tony La Russa, or in your 30s like Ali Marmol. Um, the shift, should it be banned? Matt has sort of an interesting take on that as to uh, whose job it is to eliminate the shift. So the conversation is with Matt Holliday. I think you'll enjoy this. A lot of baseball talk, a lot of Ali Marmol insight, and also his, uh, his current job in Oklahoma that he's doing. Uh, a Nolan Arenado thought about his time in St. Louis and a connection to the Billikens here, uh, here in St. Louis. It's presented by Triad Bank, St. Louis-based bank since 2005, located on Clayton Road in Frontenac, triadbanking.com, the website. And it's real simple. If you need a car loan, a home loan, or a business loan, make sure you're doing your banking with the St. Louis-based bank, Triad Bank, located in Frontenac. Marie Davila, senior living, the home to Red Shandians for all those years. Red not only lived there in a villa estate, he was also part of the ownership group and just part of the vibe that you get at Marie Davila is just good people. And boy, nobody was better salt of the earth than a guy like Red Shandians. Marie Davila is a campus, that's what I call it, located at Clayton and Wideman Road, senior living. You can take a virtual tour at Marie Davila. Dot com Corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. You can't miss it. Boy, soon the Christmas tree will be up. It's the largest Christmas tree in St. Louis County. We're pretty convinced of that. Marie Villa, great folks. Check them out for the assisted living, villa estates, whatever you're looking for in senior living. Appliance Discounters, theappliancediscounters.com. That's the website. All the showrooms around St. Louis, and they have the GE products that you're probably looking for. A washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator, you know all about the name General Electric. Get a GE rebate and get that appliance delivered quickly. That's what Appliance Discounters is all about. A couple of days instead of waiting a couple of months. The 80,000 square foot warehouse. Now more than ever, really, with all the delays, <clears throat> more than ever, that is a huge advantage. The Appliance Discounters, where their savings are your savings. 
And B&G, the best in the bricks, B&G tuck pointing. They also do foundation repair, waterproofing. If you've got a brick home, a brick building, make sure when you're ready to upgrade tuck point, make it look new again with B&G tuck pointing. 363-0525. That's the number to call for a free estimate. Rich Galati, the owner. BGTuckPointing.com is the website. Again, get an estimate for that work. Foundation repair, waterproofing, or tuck pointing at 363-0525. Let's begin with Matt Holiday. You know, Matt, we, we catch up uh, every so often now, and I, I'm starting to wonder if how many people know what Matt Holiday's doing. I think for a minute, you guys were living in Florida, right? So remind everybody, I know you're coaching. Tell people exactly what you're doing because I'm not sure everybody totally is aware. Well, we were living in Florida, but when uh, I finished playing, uh, I was looking for an opportunity to, to get back into baseball in some capacity. I don't sit well. I, I'm not very good at golf. I don't have a lot of hobbies. I don't know much about much other than baseball, so – um, I was, uh, in, in talking to my brother and, and he's the head coach at Oklahoma state. So in talking to him and, and talking to my wife, whose family still lives in Oklahoma and, and, uh, you know, we obviously have, have, uh, a lot of family and roots in Oklahoma. We moved back to Oklahoma. Um, so we're here, I'm the volunteer coach, which people here volunteer and sort of think maybe I'm just show up when I want to, or not really that heavily involved. And really all volunteer means is, is that, uh, you know, they, you don't have a salary. Uh, most volunteer coaches in college baseball make money through camps and, and uh, other routes. Um, but really, you're, you're on staff. You're full-time as, as anybody. I mean, you, as a college baseball program, the volunteer, you only have three coaches, and volunteer is one of them. Uh, so I, I put in a lot of hours. I'm here, um, you know, usually from, from 9 or 10 in the morning until – six or seven at night when the game, you know, in the off seasons. And then, you know, during the season, you know, it, it all depends on the game times, but uh, I put in a lot of hours of coaching and, and uh, spending time with, with my kids and, and the boys come over here and we, you know, they practice with us. And so we're in, we're in Oklahoma and coaching and, and, uh, and, and being a dad and, and just kind of uh, doing it. And uh, so that's, that's what I'm up to. And the boys are the boys are how old now? Because they were, and, and they're they're playing some ball themselves, right? Yeah, Jackson's a senior, so he's uh, he's seventeen. Um, had a really good summer. He played on the USA team. He played in uh, the uh, perfect game, All American game in San Diego, and played in an All American game at the at Kansas City at Kauffman, and and uh, is, is doing really well. He's a left hand hitting shortstop, and uh, I don't know where he's going to get drafted or <clears throat> what'll end up happening or. You know, he's committed to play baseball here at Oklahoma State. So he's got two good options. You know, he's got a couple of plan A's uh, as far as if he gets drafted high and, and wants to pursue that. It's a great opportunity. And, and he's also got an opportunity if, if the timing's not right to come here for a few years and, and get better and, and then see what happens. But and then Ethan, Ethan's a freshman, so he's 14, uh, which is going to be a really cool year for us as they'll be on the same high school team and uh, he's a really good player. He had a really good summer and is ranked pretty high for his class. And, uh, and then Grayson, our daughter, is, is 11, and, and our, our youngest is 8. And uh, they're obviously involved in a lot of activities. So we're busy with the kids, uh, but in in small town or smaller town, um, you can get to a lot of different places and, and be a lot of different places uh, pretty quickly. 
I thought every baseball player had to play golf, right? I thought that's what everybody did. Yeah. How do you not crush the golf ball? You probably can, right? Well, I, I do. The problem is, is that it starts out straight and then it takes a real quick right turn with the driver. Uh, my seven iron is pretty good. So I find myself a lot of times just playing with irons because I can't keep a driver straight. Um, I, I like to think, Martin, that, that p- golf is, is for the pitchers, for, for their careers, um, especially the starting pitchers. I, I remember uh, some ill feelings towards some of my starting pitcher buddies when, uh, you know, they're complaining about how tired they were because they got up that morning and played some of the nicest golf courses in the world uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, and, you know, they needed a nap because they – <laughs> had gotten up and, and played Pebble Beach or, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I said, well, you know, good thing is you don't have anything to do the rest of the day. Um, so I, I never really got into it while I played. I had enough frustration trying to hit a baseball, never mind a golf ball. So I'm, I'm kind of getting into it now a little bit. Uh, the two older boys like to play. And, and so it's a good time to, to spend with them hitting golf balls and trying to figure it out, but <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not, not great. Not good yet. Um, but I can occasionally hit it really far. I'm glad you said that. Cause I always thought it would piss me off if I'm getting on the plane and I've got my luggage and, you know, maybe the, the yeah. you know, Walshy and the guys have got the bats and the balls and the gloves. And then here comes Wayno with some clubs. <laughs> like, yeah. and like, and the Braves were famous for that. Like Maddox club. And they like, they had to have their clubs on every trip. Like, wait a minute, the rest of us, we're kind of yeah. over here. Yeah, we work, you know, the rest of us work every day. And, um, you know, he, uh, he, they, like I said, uh, I'd hear about these incredible golf matches at these, uh, world renowned golf courses. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm worried about trying to get a hit that night and they're just trying to catch a nap. So, um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a good living. If you can be a starting pitcher in, in the major leagues, that's, that's, that's a good spot. Yeah, you tell Jackson and Ethan to get forget the plane in the field, man. Get out, get on the mound. Uh, That's right. T- tell us about Ali Marmol because I know you guys are friends, but I was looking at the math, right? So he would have been in the cards system, coaching and such, when you were still playing here. What what was your interaction since he wasn't at the big league level? Well, we we all, we met through uh, through Bible studies and some of the the stuff that went on in spring training. Uh, he was a coach, obviously, in, in, the, in the lower levels, and, and I was a player. Um, but we've been friends a long time, and then as we got a little bit older, and um, we've just kind of grown closer. He lived in Jupiter in the off season, which is where we lived, and um, we started hanging out and having dinner, and, and we just became really close. And then uh, I think one year I was on rehab in, in Jupiter, and, and we spent some time together, and I got a chance to watch him uh, coach and manage and and just how he carried himself. And um, we've just remained close. We just, you know, we, we had a lot of, of, of things in common and, and uh, just a great guy. I mean, he's just, when people get a chance to be around him, he's got a very, uh, just a really cool demeanor. He laughs a lot. He's, he's full of joy. He's, uh, he's funny. Um, he's just a great person. I, I think the one thing that when you walk away from spending time with Ollie, uh, you, you want to spend more time with Ollie. And, you know, I think you can't always say that about people. And um, they are a, a tremendous family. His wife, Amber, is incredible. They've got two of the cutest little girls you've ever seen. Um, so I, I just can't – I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't spent enough time around him managing the game to tell you, you know, his, his managing acumen. But as far as a person goes and a quick learner and bright and just – 
uh, takes everything in and, and can communicate and interact and, and uh, person skills are, are off the charts. So um, I, I think anything that, that might come fast at him as the manager, he'll learn quickly from. I think he'll handle it. I think he's, he's very wise and that, that he is not afraid to ask questions of the people around him that might have, you know, the ability to help him. And so, um, from that standpoint, no ego, no, I've got this, no, you know, sort of, uh, anything I think that would hold him up from continuing to get better and better at, at the craft and, and, and the, the galvanizing of a team. And I just can't, I can't really imagine him not doing well at anything he does in life. And, and that, you know, obviously being the manager of the Cardinals falls under that category. Did he, did he talk over the years about, Hey, I want to be a manager or I mean, obviously he was on that trajectory, but yeah. what did he, did he always think that this was possible? I, I, I don't think that he's the kind of person that just kind of worries about what he's doing right then and doing it well. And I, I don't think he, he ever was like set out to be the major league manager of the Cardinals. I don't think that was his motive. Um, you know, when you get into this, you want to be a coach, you want to do it well, you want to be where you're at and do what you're doing. Uh, especially as young as he is, I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, being the Cardinals manager at 35 was like some sort of uh, goal that he had. But I think when you do things well and you're present and, and you just kind of keep uh, learning and treating people well and the way he handles, uh, you know, the people around him and, and his staff and his players, uh, that's the kind of thing, you know, that, that can happen for somebody that, that does it the right way and, and like I said, he's just a, a guy that when you're around him, he's just very just present and he listens and he, you know, he makes eye contact and he's, he's, uh, he's one of those guys that you just, like I said, you, you come away wanting to spend more time with him and, and be his friend. And I think that that's a, that's a really cool quality to have uh, that I, I, it's, it's an admirable thing. You know, like I said, he makes me a better person when I'm around him. It's funny because Tony's still managing people say, well, he's too old. He's out of touch. Ollie gets the job and people are like, well, I don't know. Can he do this? He's pretty young. Do players really care like how old the manager is? It's, I mean, is that, I, I feel like that's the least important aspect of being the manager. I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I don't think that it ever matters how old somebody is. I mean, are you, at least I do. I, I you know, I, I don't, I judge each person based on my interaction with them and, and it doesn't matter how old they are. If, um, you know, if they have the skills to lead men, the skills to communicate and, and to galvanize a group and to create a culture uh, that's a positive culture that, that is a winning environment uh, where guys are rooting for each other. And, and, and there's sort of that creating a, a chemistry and environment that, that cultivates chemistry. Um, it doesn't matter how old you are. And, you know, I, I think especially nowadays with the DH more than likely becoming uh, in both leagues, uh, the strategy without the DH of, of managing, I think is, is becoming less and less, I think at the forefront of, of being the manager. Um, so I, I think it, it falls more on, on how are you dealing with players and how do you communicate and how do you create an environment where you get the best out of your players? That's the most important thing. Um, because I don't think the end game managing is, is as difficult as it used to be. I mean, I think with all the, the metrics and, and all the analytics and the information that you have at your disposal on, on who, who should pitch when and, and, you know, sort of 
batting order type stuff that makes the most sense based on on-base percentage and, and you know, all that stuff. I think it's more about the people skills, and I don't think that that's age-limiting. I don't think that there's, you know, when you have people skills and leadership skills, it doesn't matter, like you said, if you're Tony who's, who's older and, and, and in the 70s or you're, you're Ollie who's in his 30s, um, that doesn't really matter. And so I, I don't think that players – uh, have a, a much of an opinion about, you know, how old you are. Give us your take on analytics and like what you saw in your career as it sort of shifted towards later in your career. There's a great line Jason Worth was talking about. I think it was with the Phillies. The analytics team came down after the game to go over stuff and they were going through a big at bat late in the game. And they said, now in that instance, you probably should have hit a home run. And he's like, you think, <laughs> you think like, but it, it's yeah. always I'm sure in some cases it is overdone. Yeah. Uh, what's your read on it in the game today? You know, to me, Martin, I, I think that you go back to even like Dave Duncan and Tony um, with their spray charts. And so we've, we've given all this information, sort of this more technical name. Um, have, we've been using information and, and how to align players and uh, what percentages pitchers throw in certain counts. We've been using all that information for a long time uh, because we deemed it important and, 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 you know, it, whether it's usable or not, depending on who the player is or um, so I, I think that we've always had information to help us try to get an edge um, that we didn't call analytics. Now, is there more, more stuff, more staff, more information that, that, that is out there and, and is, has become a bigger part of the game. Sure. But I still think you, you, you try to find the information that's usable. And I think that you, as a manager or as a player, you take all this information in or, or you, or you, you invite the opportunity to learn well the most you can as you prepare to go into the game. And, and you have that kind of bank of, of knowledge, but then you have to go out and play or, or manage. And, and then you, then you kind of move into the, the person part of it where each player is different. There's a brain, there's a, there's a, um, a mentality, uh, there's a competitiveness. Uh, each player is, is different and, and coach is different. So um, I just think that the, the better you can, you can kind of blend the, the baseball, but Hey, we have this information, which some of it is great. Okay, it's each player's job to say, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. I can't really use that in my in my at bats or in my my pitching philosophy or or whatever. And you take what's good and you use it and you, you take the stuff that you don't understand or doesn't really help you and you and you let it go. And so um I, I do think that there's like you said, Martin, I, I think there's more people involved now than ever before. Uh for somebody who's an, in analytics that thinks that the game is somehow as easy as a plus B equals C and, 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 and the Jason worth, you know, example of, well, you know, you should have hit a home run. Well, shoot. Heck yeah. I mean, I, I mean that as a player, I, I still think that, that the analytical people need to understand how hard the game is. Even if you give me all the information, I still have to go out there and hit a round ball with a round bat. And on a guy that's trying to, you know, that's really good at what he's doing, I could know what pitch is coming or what percentage of pitch that he might throw here, but that doesn't equate to success. And, and so um, I, I think that there's, there's got to be an understanding on both sides that, hey, 
I appreciate all that information, but baseball is really hard and you can't just think that it's a math problem and that these people are, you know, the guys have emotions, they have real lives, they have kids, they have wives, they have troubles, they have, you know, everybody has their own stuff going on that impacts playing the game. And so, um, I don't know if that answers your question very well, but I, I think that that's something that needs to be at least um, considered when you talk about all the, all the, the new age um, statistical analysis that um, some of it I think is really cool. And some of it I don't think is useful. Yeah, no, I think, I think when you said that the analytics departments kind of need to understand how difficult it is, because I could sit at a computer and say, Oh, wow, this guy's terrible against righties. This guy, you know, it's easy for me to sit at a keyboard and punch up all these numbers. What What about the shift? I hate the shift, but I don't think it should be banned either. I don't know. I don't I don't want to put a rule in places you can't, because then where do you draw the line? Oh, the shortstop's yeah. a little too far over. The second baseman shouldn't have gone that far. But I also kind of hate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those deals where I think you saw it a little bit in this postseason where hitters were like, you know, the Bellingers and a couple of these guys literally just kind of poked the ball in, into the shift. And I think that that needs to be more more prevalent during the regular season if we want to get rid of the shift. These are professional athletes. It's not super easy to, to, to aim the ball. Um, but if they're going to shift you over, if you're a left-hand hitter and, and you just let the ball travel a little bit deeper, um, we as hitters should be, I think, good enough that – that we can hit the ball into those, those gaps. Um, but then I think some of the analytical people would say, well, no, we'd rather you just take a shot at hitting a home run than give yourself up and, and hit a single. So I, I think when the games matter the most during the postseason and, and you're trying to just flat out win, you've seen some adjustments that have, have, have probably irritated uh, pitchers and defenses shifts because guys are just willing to kind of choke up and take the knock. Um, and so, I don't know, Martin. I, I think that I've heard some of the, you know, you can't have more than two guys on one side of the field that you can't shift them past second base. Um, I could get behind those things. Um, or, you know, you can't play the infielder in the outfield or he has to stay on the dirt. But then, you know, you have grounds crew cutting the dirt deeper. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that if you, if you limited guys from going to the other side of the base, that might help a little bit as far as, but I, again, I think it falls upon the hitter to have the ability to use the whole field and, and to, to be a complete hitter. If you want to hit for a high average, you got to hit the ball to both sides of the field. And, you know, I, I think that that's, that's something that, you know, it could be debated. Like you said, I, I, I don't love it, but again, I don't think that you can necessarily put rules against it. So you put your name out there. You were interested in the Cardinals job and you and I talked and I was thinking, Hey, why not? If you don't ask, You'll never have a chance at it. Tell people that might maybe some Cardinal fans would be surprised that Matt Holiday wants to get back in at that level. Tell me about that thought process. Well, I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm doing right now because I get a chance to spend a lot of time with my kids. Um, but I also think that those opportunities don't come up very often. And if you have an opportunity um, to be involved at, at the managerial level of the St. Louis Cardinals and, and some of these uh, franchises that don't come open very often and, and opportunities to be a manager of, of a 30 teams, um, it's hard to get. And so when one comes open, 
that you have a passion for, that you have a love for the organization and the city. Um, I, you know, again, I'm so happy for Ollie. Ollie, like I've, I've said, you know, a million times is one of my best friends and Skip's one of my close friends. So I didn't want this to be about like, you know, trying to beat them out. But if I just thought of, if the Cardinals had interest in, in somebody like me, that I would have interest in, in managing uh, an organization like the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I've played over 2000 games in the major leagues and um, I manage those games in my head. I come from a coaching background. My dad obviously was a coach. My brother's a coach. Um, I think about the game through the, the eyes of a coach um, and, and I've always thought about games going on about what I would do or, you know, kind of, who, who to put into pitch and, and some of those things that um, you see or, or, or leadership styles or meeting styles or how Tony handled the team or what were his advantages in the postseason as opposed to other managers. And, and so constantly when you're playing and you get a chance to play for 15 years, um, you put yourself in those shoes. And so um, when something like this comes open, I, I don't feel overwhelmed by the idea of being able to manage a major league team and to, cultivate a culture that I've been a part of, um, which is, is a winning culture. And I got a chance to play in three world series and won a world series and, 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 you know, played for some really good managers and, um, have had a lot of chances to, to see and what's successful and, and maybe what's not successful and, and how to, um, communicate with different kinds of teammates and different, different countries. And, um, so I, I feel like the experience that I've had while I've not coached or managed at the major league level, I've experienced a lot. And so um, I just thought if, if uh, you know, if there was a fit with the St. Louis Cardinals, that that would be something I would sacrifice some time away from the family to be a part of. Um, and, and maybe someday, uh, you know, uh, managing might be in my future, but um, that's really it, Martin. Um, I would, I would consider being a manager at this time, just cause it's hard to, it's hard to get that opportunity. Um, but as far as, you know, kind of coaching and, and, being away from your family um, at this time, just to, to not, not to d diminish or, or belittle um, a, a coaching job, but I'm getting a lot of the coaching training here and, and what I'm doing here and working with college players and, and having an impact on their lives at, at a young age, uh, younger age. Um, I like what I'm doing, but I, to, to get a chance to, to possibly think about managing the St. Louis Cardinals would be too hard uh, for me to kind of pass up. Um, so that, that was kind of my thinking behind it. How about uh, it would have been cool, too, because you could if, if it had worked out, you would have been managing uh, Nolan Arnato, your buddy. I think a lot of people here were worried he wasn't going to be happy with the experience. And then the 17-game winning streak, the fact that the Cardinals some way, somehow, are back in October. I think in the end for him, it was kind of what he had been promised or thought St. Louis would be. I know that it was a weird way to get there. Uh, any any read from him on how he enjoyed it or liked it, and I'm, I'm guessing the ending made it even better. Not yeah, the, I got not the I final got ending, but the, the October yeah. push. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he really enjoyed it. I, I think Martin, even outside of winning 17 in a row, had they won, you know, 11 out of 17, and and maybe just barely missed out. I, I think in general he wasn't going anywhere. I think he knows that that baseball's hard, and 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 getting to the playoffs every year is is a very difficult task. Um, I think it took him a while to kind of get his routine. He's a very routine oriented guy. Um, so it took him a minute, I think, to get settled and just being in a new environment. All he ever knew was his Colorado routine. He was drafted, developed, played in the major leagues there, um, knew what every day and, and what that looked like. And, and so 
Um, I think once he got comfortable with his new routine and, and uh, I think he loved it. I think he really enjoyed um, playing there. I think he, he liked the guys. He liked, um, he liked the city. You know, I, I don't think he was going anywhere, even if they didn't run off 17 in a row. But I think the excitement for, for 2022 is enhanced when you win that many games and you make it to that wild card and you just miss out on, on making it, you know, to the, to the division series. So, um, I, I think all in all, it was a great experience for him. I think his numbers next year will be better. Um, I, I think he, he'll he hit his average. I think he'll hit – he'll be more productive more consistently would be my guess next year. Um, but, you know, as you saw, he's an incredible player. He's a, he's a winning player. He loves to play. Um, it's very important to him. Um, so, all in all, I think it was a great experience. Uh and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him uh, continue to have success there. Well, Matt, let's get you to town this winter. We'll see maybe a Billiken game, your buddy Travis Ford. We were, your ears were burning last week. I was with him, and we were telling yeah. some Matt Holiday stories. He obviously spent a lot of time in Stillwater himself. So maybe grab Leslie and the boys, come on to a Billiken game. Yeah, I, I think we've got some staff there, too. Uh, you Forte. Know, Forte yeah. and, and Thomas DeZagua is now. He's a really close friend of mine, and he's on the, the staff. Guy. Yeah, they, they took Jake Manselman as the strength coach. So it's kind of turned into uh, Oklahoma State North. And uh, I may have to try to get up there and see some of my friends. I have to tell you, when Matt Holiday was a player, we had some media interaction. But I, I never thought that, and I think I've said this before, we had him on in, uh, maybe in September early on to talk about the 2011 run, to walk through that season, that magical run. And Matt's got a lot of great baseball insight but I, I just would not have guessed when he was a player that he would end up there. I mean, they did hire Mike Matheny with no managerial experience. Matt's coaching in the game currently. And uh, the fact that he was just put his name out there, I like that. And why not? And maybe it would have resonated with Bill DeWitt, maybe not. I think they sort of had their mind made up that they were going in-house with Ali Marmol once they decided they're moving on from Mike Schilt. So it probably wasn't going to happen. But I like the idea that Matt just put it out there. Why not? Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was uh, it was fun talking some baseball with me. And we'll do it every so often with Matt here. On this particular show, you get all the segments at Spotify, iTunes, even a lot of our past episodes, the Kilcoin Conversation. They all hold up. You can go back and listen to Kevin Harlan talk about his career, Bill Raftery. So many of the segments are really profiles of the people involved. Kenny Albert, a lot of announcers. As I sort of rattle these names off at the top top of my head, there are a lot of announcers that have been featured on the show. But feel free to go back and check those segments out as well. All of our material is posted at scoopswithdannymac.com, the great website by the Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin, scoopswithdannymac.com. As always, the Kilcoin Conversation is presented by our great sponsors, Triad Bank. They've been with me since day one. They are the neighborhood friendly bank and you just don't get that anymore triadbanking.com marie davila senior living virtual tour online marie davila that's m-a-r-i d-e-v-i-l-l-a sound like jack buck m-a-r-i-d marie davila.com to take that virtual tour appliance discounters real simple go online looking for a washer dryer stove just type it right in there and See all the merch, the little search engine on their website, theappliancediscounters.com. All the material comes up, and this has been true since day one. 
they do the price checking around town to see what the big box stores are charging for that exact same item. And they'll put it on the price tag. So when you walk into any of their area showrooms, you see what they're charging and what it's costing you across town at the big box stores. They do that for you so you can see the savings right there on the price tag. TheAppliancedisCounters.com is where you can begin your search. And B&G Tuck Pointing, the best in the bricks, family-owned business. And you know that because the name B&G, that's Bella and Gabrielle. That's the owner of Rich Galati's daughters, Bella, Gabrielle. B-G tuckpointing.com. The website will feature some of their works. You can see what they've done all around St. Louis. There are a lot of brick buildings in St. Louis. And when the tuck pointing needs to be done, these are the folks to call. 363-0525-BGTuckPointing.com. I'm Martin Kilkman. Thanks for checking us out. We'll talk to you again soon.